you would speak in ways that we can hear you. And Lord, give us grace to lay aside anything that might be weighing on us or distracting us at this time so that we can be attentive to you and responsive to your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Every week. There we go. All right. Have you ever heard of clickbait? Yes? Good. Okay. Not everybody, though, eh? Clickbait is anything that you see on the screen that makes you want to click it. And it's not good to click it. At the very least, it's going to waste your time. At the most, people are going to start being able to steal your information. So it's a bad thing. If people say there are no states that begin and end in O, don't respond to that. That's how they hack you. Um, but I know early on when you know, you'd be searching for something online and a banner would come up and it would say, childhood stars of the 80s, where are they today? I'm like, ooh, where are they today? And so I'd click on it. And then it would, uh, it would give you a little snippet of an article, like maybe four or five lines, and then another button, next. And every time you hit next, there's new advertisements. It takes forever to load up, and it's just, it's really dangerous, and it's a waste of time. Clickbait is a bad thing. But the thing with clickbait, like the thing with temptation, is that it's not asking you to do anything horrific. It's just asking you to modify your original goal just a little bit but when you start doing that you are led away so quickly that you actually forget what you're supposed to be doing in the first place on ash wednesday we read something um, in the liturgy that said jesus was both the sacrifice for our sin he was the pure lamb he didn't commit any any fault with the law or anything like that and he was also the example of a godly life. Both things. He's the provision for the way, and he's the example for us to follow. And so when we look at the temptations of Jesus, you could say, well, being able to make bread out of stone has never been my forte, so this doesn't really apply to me. And and that's true. Jesus was being tempted in ways that, that don't make a whole lot of sense for us. And at the same time, We are going to be tempted, and so we can learn what did Jesus do? What was his focus? What was his strategy? So that we can be aware and follow the same strategy by the grace of God so that we don't miss out on our goal of who we're called to be. Jesus, this this whole temptation thing was answering this question, what kind of Messiah was Jesus going to be? Day in and day out, we are asked the question, are we going to be a faithful disciple of Jesus today? Are we going to reflect his love and his character? Or are we going to live for something else? Those are the choices that we have before us. So let's take a look at today. And I, I just want to, before we go, all the passages that Jesus quotes are from Deuteronomy, and they have, they're dealing with Israel in the wilderness, I think it's really important to remember that because Jesus is coming to do what Israel couldn't do. Where they got it wrong, Jesus gets it right every time. So let's take a look. So Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, 
um, left the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days and at the end of them he was famished. I read something online this week that fasting makes no sense whatsoever. How does an empty gut twist God's arm? Like, Whoa, you missed the point for fasting. Fasting isn't trying to coerce God into going my way. Fasting is about changing me. It's about recognizing, for me personally, when I fast, I am aware at my knee-jerk reaction that when anything comes my way that I don't like, I head for the refrigerator. And when I have in-laws across the way that are providing me with cheesecake, not cool, not cool. So when we fast, it's about us learning our frailty, our need for God, and also to make very abundantly clear where we go instead of to God in prayer. Where is it that we go for comfort instead of prayer? So fasting makes that really clear for us. I want to make something very, very clear here. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Holy Spirit, and yet he was experiencing major physical hardship, and he was being tempted by the devil. To be filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't mean we are led down the path of least resistance. It means we are being led into fulfilling our calling. As human beings, what is our calling? to be image bearers of God, to reflect his character to those around us. As Christians, we, we follow Jesus in this. Jesus was being called into this, this vocation of Messiah. And, and so his, his whole thing was, am I going to listen to the voice of the Spirit? Or am I going to listen to something else? So the devil, the adversary, um, the accuser, the enemy speaks to Jesus in temptation. It says he was tempting him for 40 days, but this seems to be the climax at the end of it. And the devil says to him, if you're the son of God, he just puts that little bit of doubt. And what the devil often says to us, if you think God really cares about, what, about this matter, whatever it is, just a little seed of doubt, then surely God wouldn't want you to suffer. Turn this stone into bread. Now what we often do at this point is that we start negotiating. Well, bread? What about pizza? Pizza would be better. I could, use, I could use a hot dog right now if I could do it. That's what I would do. But no, Jesus, Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't engage with the temptation directly. He clings to the goal. And his goal is to be the Messiah, the true Messiah, the one God called him to. And so he quotes scripture Man shall not live on bread alone. It's not about the bread. I'm going to be faithful to what God tells me to do. <clears throat> we see this later in John 4:34, when, when Jesus was ministering to the woman by the well and the disciples had gone to get food and they came back and, and they say, here, Master, eat. And he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. The world will tell us right now that if you deny any of your base desires, anything that you just, you just, is to deny your humanity. But what Jesus is showing us here is, yeah, physical needs are a real thing, but what is of paramount importance is our faithfulness to God. It's our vocation and who we are called to be. And so the challenge for us 
is to not engage with those temptations directly, but to remember where am I going and to what purpose? How can I glorify God in this decision? So don't give in to the clickbait. <clears throat> the, next, the next temptation, we move on from Jesus being attacked for his, for his hunger and then it's to his vocation of establishing a kingdom. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a flash. I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to if you worship me. Um, I was at the pub this week and, uh, and as I was just sitting and talking and, and, and somebody came into the pub and they had a jean jacket on and on the back of the jean jacket it said, it was spray painted on, Death to Putin. And I thought, what's this guy's issue with French cuisine? <laughs> and then like, oh no, no, not Putin, Putin. And I thought, yeah. Right on. And then I was convicted. And I actually had an image of Putin as a little baby. He is somebody's child. And I thought, wouldn't it be better, instead of him getting killed in all of this, wouldn't it be more beautiful and more restorative if he recognized the harm he's doing, if his heart was broken and he turned from all of this and he submitted to authorities for accountability? Wouldn't that be better? The truth is, in this world, we're going to be tempted to hate all the time. And uh, we can't beat hate with hate. You can't do it. What the devil was doing here is, yeah, I know you have a calling to establish a kingdom. Well, look at all of these kingdoms. Surely you could do better than that, right? And you wouldn't have to die for it. You could have all the honor and all the authority. It'd be fantastic. What a tempting offer. Except you have to worship the enemy. And worship isn't just coming here and, and having a, a service with a prayer book and all this stuff. That's not worship. Worship is, I want to be like him. I want to I serve like that person. I want to have all these attributes. We, we had a Bible study this week and we were like wondering, is that a lie? Does, does Satan really have authority over the world to do this? And I'm thinking, look at the world. Look at the suffering. Look at the injustice. I see the enemy's power at work. And in John, the Gospel of John, in several places, it says that the, the enemy has authority in this world, but not over Jesus. And we, as being part of Jesus' body, are under a different authority as well, which means when it comes to violence, and it comes to hatred, and it comes to coercion and power, hands off. All power belongs to the Lord, not to us. Again, Jesus doesn't engage with the enemy. He quotes scripture. He confronts the lie and he says, no, worship the Lord your God only and serve him only from Deuteronomy 6.13. It's really tempting to want to engage the world with the world's own power, but it doesn't get us to where we're called to be and we need to remember that. The final temptation um, is that Jesus is, is 
offered an easy way to declare himself as Messiah, the Savior of the world, which doesn't involve a cross. It involves something really amazing, a spectacular leap, a miraculous save, and then everyone would say, that person must be the Messiah. The enemy actually uses scripture here and twists it to to talk to Jesus about this. Um, Throw yourself from the temple, the top of the temple, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up on their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. I saw a t-shirt once that said, uh, God loves you, but I'm his favorite. And that's cute, right? Except when we come to faith with that attitude that I'm his favorite, that he'll do anything I want because I'm his pride and joy, it reverses the relationship. God is to be the center, not me. And so when Jesus says, do not test the Lord, it's like, don't, don't put that to the test. Don't say, hey, I'm a pride and joy. He's going to do this for me because that's the wrong spirit. And he confronts it again. Do not put the Lord your God to the test because that dishonors the Lord. We are called to revere the Lord. There's so much clickbait around. There's so many ways that that doesn't look bad. And that's why it's important, especially in this time of Lent, to remember we can pause and we can say, is this a good thing to do? Or is it going against the calling I have to reflect the character of Jesus? Is it honest? Is it loving? Is it compassionate? Part of the problem in our world today is that we have to act really, really fast. This is the time to slow down and to say, Jesus, be the center, be the voice that I follow, and lead me in the way that brings honor to your name. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you that you not only provided the way for us, but you showed us how to live it. So Lord, please give us grace to slow down to be very sensitive to the moving of your spirit. Lord, help us to be able to recognize your authentic voice, that we might stand against the lies and the deceit, and we might bring glory to your name. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.